really sucks. A lollipop. Fairy sucks a lollipop. I'm not touching you. I'm just waving my hand is, very close to your. This is as close as you can get. <laughs> we never have this problem because Franny and I never see each other. That's true. Hi, Franny. Hi, Jeanette, and hello, everybody. Welcome to so many wrong notes. Why are you giving me that look? Because your podcast voice. It's not a podcast voice. It's... Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is very special. I think we should say why it's special. Why is this special? Why is this episode special? Because I can touch you. That's right. We are actually in the same room, everybody. Yeah, and same. in the same, basically the same chair. Basically the same chair. Not happy Jeanette about is sitting on my lap. I'm not happy about this. <laughs> She's not actually sitting on my lap, but we do have to be pretty close for the But mic. I can smell him. And I smell wonderful. I smell neutral. Well... What are we talking about? <laughs> now that the silly banter is out of the now way. That the, well, I don't know. I was going to do a little more silly banter. Oh, because, go ahead. Go ahead. Be my guest. we're in the same room. And why are we in the same room? Oh, we're in the same room because Franny is our special harpsichord guest faculty. He is here. Well, he did play a concert here already. And it was awesome. It was Bach concerto. Yes. A major. 1055. I really like that piece. It's a great piece. Good it's piece, really bro. It's a lot of fun. Nice piece, bro. And then today, Jeanette just played an awesome piece by Aaron J. Kernis called Still... Still Movement with movement Him. Movement with Him. I knew that. I just <laughs> forgot it. Still Movement with Him. And all joking aside, it was a really beautiful performance. Well, thank you. I was you. telling Jeanette privately that she got so many colors out of that piano, Aww. which is always very impressive. Oh, thank you. Yes. When the piano doesn't sound, I don't know. Loud? Loud. Yeah. I mean, you are loud, but it was a colorful loud. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. It wasn't just loud. Like, some pianists are just loud. Yeah. I felt like your loud was very nuanced. Aww. But your softs were also very... It was like there were tons of colors coming oh out of that God. instrument. So You're totally I wanted just to say like that. yanking my chain right now. I know. Is that the right thing to say? I, yanking... No. Stroking my ego. Yeah, stroking, yeah, stroking your stroking ego. My ego. Yeah. He doesn't do this ever. Well, so I'm it really the... means a lot that he's actually complimenting me on air. <laughs> I only do it in public and only once. Once in your life. I'll this treasure is this it. forever. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway... But yeah, to, to pay it back, Francis did beautifully yesterday. Um, yeah. He doesn't care about what I say because I'm not a harpsichordist, but everybody loved it. Yeah. It was a fun performance, and it was my first performance of that concerto, and I think it was a pretty good first performance. Are you sure you're not lying about that? I'm, no, I mean, <coughs> I read it through with a couple of string players, uh-huh. and I played it for my jury, but it was like excerpts. Oh, so they cut you off? Yeah. It's not a long concerto. I know, but they still did. Oh yeah, they have to. <laughs> Hundreds. Hundreds. It's the most popular instrument now. It is. And and I'm flipping her off right now. You can't see that, but that's what I'm doing. That's flipping me off. You're such a short finger. I do have a hands are pretty small. I guess uh, so. So like keyboard players, if you have a large hand, it doesn't mean you actually can reach everything. That's true. Yeah. One kid I knew, he oh. had tiny hands, mm-hmm. but it was so flexible. Like it, the, 
the way that he could spread out to an octave. He was the octave king. That was his nickname. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, my stretch, my webbing between my thumb and my second finger. What makes your webbing awesome? I'm I mean, no, no, it. it just stretches. It has more stretch than you would think, I think. Okay, I verify it is pliable. Yeah. It's better, it's better than mine, right? Yeah, yours is pretty firm. Yeah. I need to flex my fingers more. I guess. I don't know. I just have that. And I can reach a tenth. Really? Yeah. Your hands look pretty small. Yeah. And you're how much taller than me? I, I'm 5'9". How tall are you? 5'2 and a half. And three quarters. 5'2 and three quarters. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. It really means a lot to have that three quarters <laughs> there. But then you also wear, like, shoes that make you... Five inches now. Five inches. Yeah. So... Don't roll your eyes. I, I need to feel important. Eyes. Okay. Fine. <laughs> Well, my dad thought I would be tall. Why? Because I had big feet. I had big feet for my size. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he was convinced I'd be tall. You just grew into your big feet. Yeah, I don't know why. He, he's 5'10", so that's tall for an Asian guy. Yeah. But my brother is not as tall as him, so he just put all his hopes and dreams on me. Oh, how tall is your brother? I'm average for an Asian woman. I don't know why he... Uh, 5'7"? <laughs> yes, there we like, go. <laughs> what? I ask you a question and you talk about something completely different. I was continuing my thought. I had to finish before I moved on. Don't give me shit. I'm not giving you shit. I'm not just really laughing at you. Are we, are we done with silly banter? I think so. Okay. Great. All right. Franny has something really important to talk about. Well, I want to talk today about teaching because it's an important part of both our careers. You actually having a career and me trying to have a career. What? This is all in the eye of beholder. So, I wanted to start this conversation off about teaching by asking you what it was like growing up as the daughter of a piano teacher. (laughs) Growing up as the daughter of a piano teacher whose nickname was the Piano Nazi um, was fine. I mean, honestly, I was too much of a brat to listen to her. Mm. So, ostensibly, you could say she started me on piano when I was four, but I didn't actually have lessons till I was 11. She basically was like, oh, yeah, let me teach you how to play it right. And then I'd be like, no, I don't want to do that. And then she'd be like, you're playing that wrong. That's a wrong note. And I'd be like, no, that's not the wrong note. You're wrong. Woman with a PhD in music versus a four-year-old. Like, <laughs> I was such a brat. I was yeah. just, like, very contrarian. But I would just play. And I guess she taught me enough fundamentals to, like, have my first piano teacher at 11 actually take me. Wow. So. <laughs> Did your mom teach at home? Yes, she has a studio at home. Okay. So do you think you might have subconsciously absorbed things I'm from sure watching I did. her teach? I'm sure, yeah. Because she always taught. She was she was in high demand. I guess Chinese people like having a teacher that forces their kids to practice. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and she was a very good teacher. She knows how to teach. And so there would be students in and out of the house um, from the time they got out of school till like 8 or 9 at night. Oh, so we, we wouldn't have dinner. She would cook a whole bunch of stuff for us, um, lay it on the counter, and then we'd just eat whenever because she would teach through dinner. And so I was always surrounded by, like, hearing in the background what she was saying to students, how uh-huh. she was teaching. Actually, I started student teaching, I guess, teaching for her, being her yeah. TA, uh, very young. So I kind of absorbed what she was doing. I see. Yeah. Now, you said that she was a very good teacher, and I mm-hmm. don't doubt that. But what makes a good teacher? So what do you think makes your mom a good piano teacher? My mom was a good piano teacher for the kids she was teaching. And most of these kids are not 
they're serious piano students, but they're not going to major in music. Mm-hmm. So she taught them how to play things well, as in she taught them the correct way to do things. Good fingering. She taught them how to like learn music in a solid way and to think about musical ideas that made sense. But mostly she taught them how to play piano, like physically, without too much tension, without too much pain. Mm-hmm. She taught them good work ethic. And she cared about them a lot. She, she was really investing in her students. She took it really personally if they ever left her. Oh, so she was okay. one of those. So you think that because is there an element of a technician in your mom that could then First teach? and foremost, I think the most important thing that made her a good teacher was the fact that she cared. Okay. I think she was just really invested in their success. So uh-huh. she, I mean, it's not that she was so much a technician. She had a certain way of doing technique that made sense. I mean, she studied with Pressler. And so he taught her some things that translated really well. Mm-hmm. Um, she knew how to say things simply to kids because all of her students are pre-college, yeah. basically. But I, I really think it was the fact that she would not stop until they got it. Mm-hmm. And then she would give them extra time, whatever they need. She really wanted them to play it well. And it bothered her if they didn't get it or if they weren't working. I see, yeah. Yeah, so she was invested in them as people uh-huh. and worried about their well-being. I think that really makes a difference in... A piano student when you're young. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. But then, how does she draw the line? I mean, she had two kids. I yeah. mean, she can't have like a hundred other kids, right? Did she? Do you think she drew the line? Um, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, she's not. Well, this is debatable. It's not like she's like a psychologist going home yeah. and like bringing all these huge problems with her, because they were generally good kids. Mm-hmm. But there'd be a lot where like. She didn't know what to do. She talked to the parents. She has a contingent of really great parents mm-hmm. that really help her out with everything. She takes advantage of it, too. They, like, fix her computer and stuff. And That's fix great. Her walls. Yeah. Generally, the Chinese community that she has around her who take piano lessons are very supportive people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe she did. Maybe. She, she does say she regrets taking too many students. Uh-huh. Um, she regrets not having enough time for us growing up. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess family dinners are important to some people, uh-huh. and she she wishes she now provided that kind yeah. of time. Um, and she blames my dad a lot for it, that he pushed her to take more and more students. I see. But I think it also because she has a position of authority. She's well-respected. Yeah. So she kind of liked that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I can't really say. You can't really say. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like, I mean, you and I both teach, and so we... Yeah. I think we both really care about our students. Yeah. And it's just, I've always been thinking, well, where do we draw the line? Yeah. Like, when am I just being annoying? Oh, I see I, what you mean. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. That's what I mean with your mom and, and her students. Oh, yeah. She she doesn't really have a barometer for when she's being annoying. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, how do we find the line between piano teacher and student? versus like surrogate parent which might be overbearing and too much yeah no definitely a good question and and i would say my mom definitely was a surrogate parent and i i look at that and i think about that i had a conversation with joe about this actually yeah. about because he was this very invested joe gosho you mean joe gosho yes. yes last summer because he was here teaching the fellows and he got really invested in them uh-huh. and doing things above and beyond because he, he cared yeah like he seemed to really like the people and like the students and it's easy to do when you have just a few, uh-huh. right? And I start thinking, if I had a full studio of like 20 plus kids, I wouldn't be able to do that. 
I definitely have favorites. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think we all have favorites. But I mean, for sanity, I don't think any of us can be a surrogate parent. No. Yeah. But even if your studio is small, it's like, is it helpful to be a surrogate parent, do you think? Yeah, that's a good question. It depends on the student, probably. It depends on the student, but I think it also depends on the teacher, too, you know? Yeah. Like, do I want my work to overtake my life? Is this is essentially the question I'm asking. I think if you're a musician, you kind of go in that category anyways. Yeah, but isn't there a line of, like, yeah. teaching as teaching, right. and you really do care, and you're really invested in students, but then maybe sometimes you're just going too far. To You're giving attention to a point where the student it doesn't want it and it's harmful to the student, and probably harmful to you as well. Oh, definitely, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, you can't, don't take your work home with you, right? Yeah. But I think that's probably more relevant to college-age kids. Yeah. Um, I think when you are a kid, having a piano teacher is, is a pretty intimate one-on-one rela- mm-hmm. on one relationship anyways. And oftentimes, that surrogate parent actually is really helpful. Yeah. Like when you have a good mentor or somebody, somebody mm-hmm. who's there for you, it's, that's not your parent. Yeah. It's actually really good to have that. Yeah. But um, in college, yeah, it's important to foster independent thinking. That's right. Figuring things out for yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you think that your mom is just a great piano teacher for pre-college kids because of her investment yeah. in their success. Yeah, she yeah. cares about good piano playing and about students doing well. But I will say that it's so easy to do like a multi-hour lesson with mm-hmm. them because it's so fun to teach someone who like really can do everything that's you right. ask. Yeah. yeah, or at least is willing to try it. Yeah, exactly. So the, the, that's sort of why I'm asking yeah. this line of question. It's like, how much is it taxing on you and how much is it really helping the students sometimes? Right. Which leads me to my next question for you. Oh, okay. Which is, your mom's a great teacher for pre-college students. What makes a good college teacher yeah a good college teacher i think is somebody who isn't so wrapped up in their own ego first Mm -hmm. like that's that's a big element i mean it's not like because often we study with a big name teacher yeah or we go for that teacher and they're so wrapped up in the legend of themselves that Mm -hmm. they don't really teach and they're they're kind of burnt out they don't really have the energy or the caring to do it for their students anymore exactly um so i think that that's like the common complaint i would say Uh uh-huh for any college-age kid being disappointed. I think any teacher who teaches on a college level has to think about each student individually uh-huh. uh, because they will get such a wide variety of personalities yes. and, and teaching each one requires knowing how they work, how they learn. I mean, music is so personal and so subjective. Mm-hmm. You will not have two piano students alike. Or music students, I think. Yeah. yeah. So I think you need to also be very uh, intelligent about reading what a student needs. Yeah. Those are, I would say, the most important things. But I think if we're talking about strictly being a good piano teacher, for a college student, you have to know how to teach them based on how they learn. Yeah. And just when to push, when to not, Uh that kind of thing. Yeah. Sometimes you have to really just break down the basic fundamentals for them because some people are really talented, but they don't know the fundamentals. Exactly, yeah. And so you always see, like, these holes that pop up. Exactly. It's just, I guess my question is, is I think when you're teaching college-age kids, you're you're working on much higher-level musical stuff than you are when you're... Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. 
13, 14, 15. Uh-huh. And it's like, how do you teach that kind of musical thinking? And I'm asking that because your experience with private teachers in, in the college level is drastically different from mine. Yeah. Okay, really and I'm is. asking that because I feel like every like musical decision that I make and every like musical idea I have mm-hmm. never came from a private teacher. Yeah. I feel like I got it from a theory teacher or a, or a musicologist would plant the idea in my yeah. head. And in fact, I hold those people more in like high esteem and affection mm-hmm. than I do most of my private teachers at the at the college and post-college level. Yeah. And so I want to know your experience of teaching higher level music stuff because I feel like I never got it from any of my teachers. But it's also interesting your experience because I think when you have opinions yeah. about how to play or, or anything like that, it's stronger because you actually came to it uh-huh. yourself, which is different from having things told at you and then kind of parroting it. Well, that's true, but I feel like a really good private teacher can encourage you to think, think on your own, think yeah, on your own, and find musical ideas, and then give you enough information to yeah. make you make an informed decision. It's the tools, right? Like yeah. Logan, uh, Logan Skelton, brilliant piano teacher at University of Michigan, who was my last piano teacher, said once, I'm there to give you all the options at your disposal, but I'm not there to, to think for you. Yeah. It's just, here's what you can do. And he, he lays out the tools. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's perfect. I also think that, um, let me answer your question first. Okay. I still say my most formative musical influence was my first real piano teacher, which was Robert McDonald. Um, he never taught pre-college students, and mm-hmm. I was, I think on a whim, he decided to take me because I amused him. I was 11, um, studied with him until I was 15 before I went to Julia pre-college. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that he wasn't a pre-college teacher was really good for me, actually, yeah. because of course, just kid, I wanted to be talked to as an adult, I wanted to be taken seriously, I wanted my ideas to be heard. He heard my ideas, he was amused at them, but then he just taught me a whole bunch of like really fine-tuned listening mm-hmm. that blew my mind. He had a way of teaching technique that was so unrelenting. Uh, and as a little kid, I just like, his favorite thing to do was say, do it again. Uh-huh. And just like, do it again, do it again. He'd be like, all right, do it again just for safety. And I fuck up and yeah. I have to do the whole process over again. Mm-hmm. But it taught me so much about like not letting things be, just be, mm-hmm. not being lazy about it. Um, he told me something that sounds so simple, but actually I still remember. It's like, if it's not correct in your practice, what makes you think in your performance is going to yeah. be good? Yeah. And I always thought like, oh yeah, maybe it'll be awesome in a performance. Like, it's like, look at the job, yeah, right? Yeah, Yeah, like, <laughs> but also like he, he is such a sincere musician. He has, he will agonize over musical decisions until they feel genuine. Uh-huh. Or like that, that's not right. No, it's still not right. No, no, it's the phrase. Just, and so it was like sincerity and integrity to what is right was taught to me. Okay. Yeah. I mean, being right is subjective, right? Yeah. Being right is subjective. But yeah. it's what felt right to you is that what it was is that what you got or actually it was what felt right to him it was right okay yeah which um is funny because it's not that he hemmed me in but i i was trying to please yeah yeah but it wasn't like he was a tyrant or anything no okay 
But what was most important was the technique that he taught me. Uh-huh. It's still a technique that has, it, it just makes a lot yeah. of sense. I can easily play anything because of what he taught me. Yeah. Um, and if I ever have trouble, I have to go back to what he taught me. Uh-huh. And yeah, it's, I'm so thankful yeah. for that. But how about in terms of higher level musical thinking? Like making decisions for your own, by yourself. Well, okay, well, to, to kind of combine yeah. the two. So, the one thing that I find very useful in my teaching is that most people don't know how to play things. Yeah. They have good ideas, but they don't know how to execute it. Yeah. And so, Bob taught me how to articulate how to execute things. Got it. That they're tied to a musical intention, actually. Mm-hmm. And that everything has a purpose. Yeah. So, it, his articulation of the technique is what I find most useful gotcha. for anything. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, higher intentions, that higher intention is not so much a higher level of thinking. No. It's just being able to clarify your mind so you can express yes. it. It's like, why are you doing this? Uh-huh. What is the purpose? What message do you want to send to the audience? Yeah. What is this piece portray? And that sort of thing, anyone knows on an intuitive level. Uh-huh. But being able to execute it and like have something that's very clear for everybody to yes. understand is, is something that takes years to learn. Yeah. Yeah. So for you, a good teacher then is mostly teaching you how to do things rather than teaching you these kind of, you know, interpretive Obscure things. interpretive things. Obscure? I don't think there are obscure interpretive things because I think music is something that quickly communicates. So then yeah. obscure interpretive things means that it kind of alienates some people because it's obscure, yeah. right? Well, I mean, I only bring that up because this is a way to segue into my experience. Okay. I've had a lot of teachers, uh-huh. my teacher at undergrad for one, who basically taught in like musical poetic language. Oh, so he was a bullshitter? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. I just felt like I didn't quite know how to play piano he did he did help me a lot yeah he did help me thinking about imagery imagery and things like that and that's great Mm -hmm. but i feel felt like ultimately it was it's not even that what it was what i i definitely that's not what i needed but it was it was a way of stroking his own ego oh i see because like you know the turns of phrases understands so much about yeah, music. Yeah, I see. And I think for a lot of people, that's the kind of teaching that they get. Yeah. I think your experience is a little bit unique. Yeah, yeah, because Bob that, was not that. Yeah, yeah, because he taught you how to do things. Yeah. And I felt like I didn't know how to do things until I got into my master's. So it seemed unattainable to you, right? Yeah. Like, it just seemed overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like, and I had all these ideas. Yeah. And I would play, like, in public for master classes. <coughs> Excuse me. I would play in public, like, in master classes. Yeah. And I'd have this idea, and I knew, I had, like, orchestrations and colors in mind. Yeah. And every single time, the teacher, whoever was leading the master class, would go, you know, this is a very, this is very much like horns. Uh-huh. And I'm like, that's what I was thinking. I knew that already. Yeah. I just didn't have the tools. Yeah. And so I think what you said is kind of, it's so simple, but it's like you yeah. need to give the students, you need the toolbox. Exactly. You need to, you need to have your students identify what the tools are yeah. and how to use the tools. And that's so the most important thing. Yeah. 
I'm saying yeah a lot, sorry. That, because I'm saying brilliant things that you, exactly. you need to agree have with. Exactly, have to. Is that... I think it's the most irresponsible thing for any teacher to say somebody needs to do something without giving them a reason and without telling them how to execute it. Yeah. I, I mean, that's just... Yeah. You're absolutely right. And I just look back at it now and I go, I didn't have great instrument teaching. Yeah. I just didn't because I just felt like... It's kind of weird. I felt like I taught a lot of... I have to give some credit, a lot of credit to my master's piano teacher who uh -huh. completely broke down. He was much more of a technician. Awesome. He had some other problems that I won't... So that's why I'm not mentioning him. <laughs> <by name>. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but he really did teach me how to think about actually playing the piano yeah. rather than just thinking about the music. Yeah. But a lot of it... I think, in a weird way, I feel like I sort of taught myself. Yeah. In a way. Mm-hmm. It's f um, at least on piano. Because you had to. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I use a lot of the techniques that I learned from my master's piano teacher right. in my piano playing. I should specify. In a weird way, I feel like I taught myself. Like. Mm -hmm. There were, because I was already old, I was getting my master's, and he gave me some fundamental techniques, and then I think I I'm went the rest of the way. Well, I mean, it's not like I was 11. People stop saying you're old when you're 22. It makes us feel bad. Yeah. What was the point of this? Yeah, well, the point was to say that you taught yourself. Uh, I mean, I don't want to sound arrogant when I say no, I taught no, no. myself. Yeah. It's just like a lot of these technical things I think I figured out. Right. Because. Uh, what I wanted to hear. So here's a question for you. Yeah. Did you also learn things from watching videos of other pianists, from listening, going to concerts, from your fellow piano students? I think I learned a lot from going to concerts. Mm -hmm. I did go to a lot of piano recitals, but I think I still learned a lot from concerts not of piano music. Interesting. So it's not like you taught yourself technique from other piano concerts? No. Okay. I think the fundamentals of technique mm -hmm. I learned from my master's piano teacher. Okay. And so I think I learned how to puzzle things out. And because my time with him was short, it was two years, Yeah. I think he gave me the tools to figure things out. And from that point, I think that's what I mean by I learned how to teach myself. I taught myself because then I now had the tools. So he yeah. laid down a lot of fundamentals. But I feel like my playing improved so much more because of that, because I could finally play what I heard. You're not being arrogant by saying that, because ideally that's what every yeah. college student does, is teach themselves based on what that's, their teacher yeah, gave them. Yeah, that's true. Again, it was sort of a weird relationship with my master's piano teacher, too. Well, that's the other thing, is that piano teacher-student relationship is a weird one. Yeah. It can be complicated. It can, it's complicated. Well, this one was extra complicated. Okay. It wasn't really that complicated. Actually. You're making it sound worse than it is. It's, it's really not that bad. He pretty much told me every lesson that I'd be a great lawyer. Every lesson. Oh. Well, you'd be a great lawyer. Really? Yeah. But didn't he still taught you? Yeah. So it's not like he was like, you shouldn't be here. No. But it was confusing. And it was confusing. <laughs> yeah. And it was also discouraging because here I am. Why are you telling me I should do something else? Yes. But I will say that you do present arguments very well. 
Oh yeah, no, no, no. As in, I would say that, like, I can see how someone would say you'd be a great lawyer. lawyer. Yeah, no, that's true. I would be a great lawyer if you were choosing that career path. That would be nice, but it's not preferable to what you're doing. No, I understand. I was just confused by what you were just saying. That's okay. But yeah, no, I would be a good lawyer. Yeah. At that time, that's not what I wanted. I still don't want that. So that was sin number one, right? Yeah, that was sin number one, but it was also kind of a lack of investment. Oh. I I mean, you knew who his favorites were. Yeah. Who he had his hopes on, who he knew was going to carry on his good name and win the competition and win competitions yeah. or have careers, right? Like big concert careers, you knew that. Yeah, and that was also discouraging because then you sort of felt like you were the you were less than, mm-hmm. and frankly, I was less than than most of the people in my studio, but still he accepted me into the studio. Yeah. So why have this division? Like yeah. it's not it's it's not like I would not have been offended if he acknowledged that I was one of his weaker students. Uh-huh. That that would not have been offensive. Okay. It's just like, hey, you're a weaker student but here let's help you rise up. Right. He wasn't going to give you that extra Yeah. So that's an interesting thing because I think that's something that everyone can relate to. Um I've had that experience too. We've mm-hmm. all had experiences where we're not the favorites mm-hmm. and we feel neglected and you know, being a young person with all these emotions and like sensitivities and you are the special flower because we're all trained to be the special kid and we all assume that we're going to be special and the best or something and then we go to school and we realize we're not yeah that's like the biggest learning hurdle for everyone yeah especially like if you go to Juilliard or something but it's not I mean it's not just a special flower thing it's just like sort of I feel and I use this now and I sometimes fail when I teach Uh is I want to make every single one of my students feel accepted for who they are right and not to say that I wouldn't be honest with them and say that they're great if they're not great I would say hey this is where you are how far do you want to go up and I would say if I had like a studio that would be my goal would be to see how far we could so it's like the investment would be the same for each student. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And that, of course, especially in the New York schools, don't doesn't happen. Well, it doesn't happen in conservatory. That's right. But I think it should. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And so, as a teacher, I definitely have favorites. You mentioned it. You also have favorite students, right? It's natural. Yeah, totally. So how do we control our favoritism to not appear as if we're... Because in all honesty, <laughs> yeah, one. but here, in all honesty, I have favorite students and my favorite students tend to be my favorites because there's something about their personality exactly. that I like. Yeah. And so I actually like, kind of like talking to them and like spending time with them in easy a way. Easy to teach. E- easy to teach, but also like in, in sort of a festival setting, for example, yeah. or a camp setting, that if you see them outside, you can just have a conversation with Yeah, them. you like them as a person. Yeah, you like them as a person. There are other students who I may not like as a person. That you find annoying? That I find annoying, but that doesn't mean that I'm less invested in their education. Right. If I have two equally dedicated students, and I just happen to like one better as a person, mm-hmm. how do I not appear that I'm favoring that person? Even though, in a way, I am favoring that person. Yeah. But not in terms of their education. Well, here's one thing that everybody should keep in mind is that if a teacher is 
making you feel like you're not getting taught, that you're not getting investment, you can always change your teacher. Mm -hmm. it, it goes both ways. The teacher is not like the be-all, end-all authority. They have their own flaws. That's right. And yeah. favoritism is often based on your own personality quirks. Mm -hmm. So like if I like a student more than the other, it doesn't mean one student is better than the other person. It's just I particularly like one student That's over right. the other. So you have this choice to move on and choose your teacher, just like we choose our students. That's right. But I, I will say, in order to avoid favoritism, I think what y you said was actually the answer to it, is that you want to teach them all as individual cases uh -huh. and give them the equal amount of investment. Yeah. So instead of viewing somebody as like, oh, a hard student teacher, like, oh, this is a challenge. Let me see how I can communicate to this uh -huh. person more. Yeah, At that's least. what I want to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, some people are just easier to talk to than others. Yeah. And you just end up talking to them. And I'm thinking especially sort of in like, a festival or a camp setting because mm -hmm. we both teach at a festival and I have taught at a camp for a long time yeah where you have a lot of interactions with the students outside of the lessons yeah. and so you there have been many instances where I love the student outside of the <laughs> of the studio yeah but can't stand them inside of the studio if that okay. makes sense because it's just inside of the studio, the person's like blah, 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 blah. And, but it's a really decent person. So, okay. you know, things like that. I just worry about how that might come across. Well, I mean, I, I guess I would say I haven't had that experience so much. Yeah. I don't know if I liked him as a person and I hear them play. I, I don't know if I can say I've not liked their playing. Because uh -huh. music, their personality it shows in their music, usually. Yeah, well, I think you also teach higher level kids than I do. Oh, I see, I see. Because I don't teach in a festival with yeah. pre-college students. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. Okay. Because I just feel like I don't want to show everybody who my favorites are, but everybody yeah. knows who my favorites are outside of the lesson, if that makes sense. Oh, I see. So you hang out with people and you like them more. I think I have favorites this summer, too. Yeah. Um, and is that okay or is that not okay? Should we strive not to do that? You know, I do get stressed out when everybody performs and I, I can't remember who I've complimented and who I haven't. Yeah. But I do find it fun to find always something good about their playing. You know, finding something unique to say about their playing. I do want every kid to feel like they're getting like the right amount yeah. of attention. Me um, too. That ends part one of our conversation on teaching. Join us next time when we continue this discussion. Thanks for listening, and in the meantime, Come find us on Facebook at So Many Wrong Notes and on our website at so many wrong notes dot com.